0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the show for another Monday. It is Oliver Callan here with you until 10 o'clock this morning. And do what you normally do the text is 51551, and from the North Tech Studio, and then your message to 80889. It is wet. It is mild. It is the 10th of July and I was reading Met Aaron's forecast for the week ahead and listen to this sentence for, uh, for, for a way of highlighting how our scientists are utterly befuddled by the weather on our little island. Wednesday night, becoming dry for many areas, with a few isolated showers lingering. So, if there are showers, then the many areas can't really be dry, can they? And if the isolated showers are actually lingering they're not really isolated showers, they're, they're just rain, aren't they? So it's impossible to forecast showers, so they have to manage the language somehow. Uh, and that is Wednesday night, not dry, just raining. Uh, anyway, we have a show for you this morning. For some light relief from the scandals of the summer, we'll be discussing less important matters, namely the chances of a nuclear holocaust. Yes. Evan Thomas is the New York Times best-selling author of many, many history books, brilliant ones, particularly on Nixon. And his latest book, it's called Road to Surrender by Evan Thomas and he he centres the story well it's about America's decision to drop two atomic bombs on Japan to end World War II yes that and he centres the story on the three men who were in the room when it happened to use that phrase the decision makers you've never heard of before and it's a stunning account of history but as with all the best history telling it's all about today and the threat of nuclear war between the superpowers that are not getting along lately let's face it so we're looking forward to that chat uh, roads to surrender three men on the countdown to the end of World War Two think are going to enjoy that has everyone recovered from their weekend I'd say glum faces in Clare this morning I'd imagine the great mighty game of hurling thundered through the living rooms yesterday afternoon when Clare had the, the, the audacity to throw everything at Kilkenny but the Cats, of course, scratched back and uh, hugely entertaining, probably because Saturday was uh, so disappointing that um, Galway didn't turn out in the second half after a fearsome first half and Limerick uh, did easy, easy job in the end and uh, the uh, also Tip had annihilated Antrim in the Camogie. Uh, a disappointing day for the stick and the ball, but it got better on Sunday because the big shock in Camogie is the All-Ireland champions. Kilkenny went down to Cork in the quarterfinal And uh, we had that fun. Actually, uh, the BBC's coverage yesterday afternoon had Dara O'Brien as the surprise half-time interview and he was talking about the majesty and excitement of hurling and particularly those um, plane trips home because he comes over the hurling and he's with all the Irish lads sweating in their jerseys either heads down or talking excitedly going back for their week in London I thought it was a very nice summary of the whole sport as well and of course us and Monaghan were a bit sore after Derry uh, won yet another minor All-Ireland title at our expense and won it well in the athletic grounds in Armagh but brilliant support from the Monaghan crowd. First All-Ireland minor final in 89 years but uh, Derry were the deserving winners there so up to the Oakleaf lads goes another All-Ireland and we try and try again because it's Dublin Monaghan next weekend and the excitement for the day out begins and so on. Uh, to the papers and the Irish Independent this morning uh, Roscommon GAA are the focus of this scandal to do with their county crest. Ken Fox tells us that the uh, Roscommon crest for both the County Council and the GAA feature a sheep Because, I didn't know this, the Roscommon sheep is one of only two native Irish breeds of sheep. We have our own native breed of sheep and it's specifically Roscommon sheep known as Cladour. And the Irish Rare Breed Society is among those who've been working to preserve this breed which has a distinctive white face and a heavy, wavy Fleece, so they, they decided to look at their crest. And the county GA board is now updating its crest because they discovered their emblem features the wrong breed of sheep. And Rosscommon County Council and the GA County Board there were swapping notes on this, but they discovered that the uh, County Council are grand; they have the um, the white-faced sheep, but the GA County Board will have to go back to their drawing board and put the right sheep, the Roscommon breed of sheep, Clador, on that county crest. I think this all stems back really to a couple of years ago, uh, oh, it's 20 years, I'd say, at this stage, where we had the same county crests everywhere for years and years and years and then all of a sudden we had all these new GAA-accredited crests, brand new designs and they keep tweaking them and changing them and um, because they needed to copyright the jerseys in order to stop um, outside sellers putting what they would call um, non-low you could, no, you could just basically create a jersey that didn't have anything on it but the county crest on it uh, the old county crest so there, there are copyrighted ones and the, the old county crest and as far as I know I think ladies uh, footballers still use the older crests I know they do in Monaghan, which was a bird on on a single tower um, but anyway if you wade into the area of G.A. crests things go horribly wrong um, and uh, Ross Common, G A. Very uh, the Rossies will have to update that. It was shocking, shocking stuff. Staying in the west of Ireland, uh, Ireland West Airport, which is known colloquially to us as Knock Airport, but it's Ireland West, had a record-breaking six-month period. Passengers numbers soaring to a new high. Over nearly four hundred thousand passengers went through Ireland West Airport during January to June of this year. It's a busy six-month period in their whole thirty-eight-year history, and it's a quarter up in the same period last year. And it's even higher than the previous busy period they had in 2019, pre-pandemic and all of that. Uh, so what happened to this? Well, the airport welcomed new services to London Heathrow at Aer Lingus. Ryanair added extra capacity on service to Edinburgh, Bristol, Liverpool, Manchester and Birmingham. So uh, they're delighted with themselves over there. We wonder if there are people coming from elsewhere to use Uh, The West Airport because there was chaos at Dublin Airport last year and there were occasional flare-ups in a very, very busy airport uh, since then as well. So maybe people are coming from the north and other parts of the country to use the west. We know they're very happy with Shannon uh, further down the west coast um, because uh, they've got those fancy machines, don't they, that you can leave your liquids in because they can tell if there's anything um, uh, unsavoury happening in the liquids. A fellow who mightn't be who might indeed be using Ireland West Airport is Britain's King Charles, the Independent tells us this morning that he's on his way to Ireland and the counties are lining up to be included in the latest British royal itinerary and uh, possibly early autumn. So it'll be his first visit to Ireland as monarch and the negotiations over the proposed visit are still underway and it's a closely guarded secret but he obviously hasn't had his official overseas visit as um, a coronated king yet and he wants his first visit to include Ireland as a personal gesture towards the importance of Anglo-Irish relations. As we know, before he became king he was on his way to visiting um, every county in Ireland he's already done all six counties in the north and um, he's he's taking them off down below so he's only um, 12 counties yet to visit in the Republic after various trips I know Monaghan is one of them he hasn't come here yet but it may well happen soon I'd say Common now would be on the list of he hasn't visited yet would he because I know he's been to Sligo maybe he would Doesn't it has to you have to stop I suppose and visit something for it to count so we we'll watch out for that and see if he's going to come in the autumn because it gets huge coverage uh, across the water, which remains our main source of tourism, Britain, because they like to come here with all the all the blood connections and everything like that. Um, The journal.e tells us um, the Department of Education have announced 15,600 Ukrainian pupils were enrolled in Irish schools by the end of the school year that's just finished. Uh, This is an amazing story I think of integration. Uh, So you had 15,000 yes 15,600 Okay, so most of them 10,000 accommodated primary schools 5,000 plus in secondary schools and an enrolment rate of 88% among all the Ukrainian children aged 5 to 18 who've come here, 88% have gone to school, which is a phenomenal number when you consider, you know, English not being their first language and all of that. Dublin schools, the most enrollments there, 1,200 primary, nearly 700 secondary schools. And the Department of Education says here they wish to thank the school communities and the stakeholders at local and national level across the country for their engagement, collaboration and support in accommodating Ukrainian pupils in Irish schools over the exceptional past school year. So... Here, here, says the rest of us. They've integrated very, very well and um, it, it just shows that when we put our minds to it, it can it can indeed happen. People fleeing war zones can be brought in amongst the communities. 51551 five, five, one is our text number. Ah, Oliver, the poor Claire's and all the prayers I said to the poor Claire's for the poor Claire's says this texter. And um, that is the, the disappointment. I know. I know Clare people, and they were they were fairly miserable after that because it looked good for a time, but Kilkenny—they're never bait until they're actually bait. And i am being corrected. Yes, the Ross Common sheep is is one of only two native Irish breeds of sheep. The other is Clador. So the Ross Common Irish sheep is not the Clador. I thought that was the, the pronunciation, but I will stand corrected, and we apologise. We're constantly apologising here. Uh, one could say the G. Oh God, the Ross Common Ga are are doing. A U-turn, says Sean Curry in Swords by the Sea. Swords by the Sea is that like kind of Swords mer they should put into it to be extra posh? I've seen that'll be an Irish Times property supplement. Swords mer. thank you, Sean Curry. Uh, and of course, there is a place in Roscommon called Curry, um, separate to Tubbercurry. Yes, Roscommon facts. I'm full of them for some reason. Lots of McMahons in Roscommon who made it to Monaghan. Need I go on? Five one five five one. Don't says you on the text. Um, are you feeling a little bit bullied into watching the Barbie movie because of the suppressive nature of the marketing for the last few weeks? I think yes, I do agree. Who is saying this? None so other than the star of Succession, Jay Smith Cameron, who plays Jerry the lawyer for the um, Succession fans out there. Said she feels bullied into watching the upcoming Barbie film by this tsunami of marketing. Tsunami of marketing, even. So yeah, this is what I mean, we we were doing Barbie stories last week we have done we dropped some of them because there was so many of them there were six or seven we said we can't talk about the Barbie film they'll think we have a stake in it uh, the, the blockbuster film starring Margot Robbie the pink loving titular character Ryan Gosling is playing Ken it's a Greta Gerwig film you know about this because of the enormous marketing Uh, the the multi-million dollar pink themed advertising campaign video games travel ideas fashion food interior design features all running in the release on the 21st of July fans are able to stay in the real life version of Barbie's Malibu Dreamhouse through AirBnB Ken is listed as the mansion's host, blah, blah. What else? There's been architect- architectural digest tours of the plastic fantastic set, branded merchandise, suitcases, Xbox controllers, electric toothbrushes, makeup. The film sets used so much pink paint it wiped out a company's entire global supply, which again is according to the Barbie marketing people. And we, we, went, we went for that ourselves. And... Um, there have been sleepovers, people, and there's Barbie core is the terminology they're using. So um, the actress I'm sorry, has the first come out going, you know, I'm feeling, bu- I want to see the film. I'm excited about it, but I'm also feeling slightly bullied. And she also, after these were quoted, she was quoted everywhere. Uh, she came out and said, I didn't express displeasure. I just said, you know, there's, there's just a bit, there's a, quite a lot of marketing going on. Um, Speaking of marketing for films, Brad Pitt was all over the place because he showed up at the British Grand Prix and caused a flurry of excitement because he was walking around in the full gear. And then a fella in the same gear got into a car and led out uh, the F1 uh, start yesterday in, in the F1 in the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. And people went, is Brad Pitt actually racing in this race? No, he wasn't. Because what he was doing is he's shooting a new film Um, about, well, he stars as a Formula, a former Formula One driver. He's come out of retirement to race alongside a rookie prodigy and teammate against the biggest names in sport, real names, like Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen, all the ones you've heard of. It's a Jerry Bruckheimer film, so you know it's going to be good, terrible, or just really terrible, terrible. Uh, so he was out and about, and he was speaking to Sky Sports just before it took off, and they were asking, has he actually driven F1? Does he know how to drive one of these things at all? Here's what he said. So had you ever driven a racing car before on track? No, I bikes, more bikes. I'd spent the last 20 years on bikes on track, so, I mean, th- that helped a lot. Listen, it's really humbling. I mean... I don't know if you can call mine a hot lap. I call it kind of a warm lap, you know. I've taken a few tours un- unintentionally, you know, through the grass. and, <laughs> But it's been, it's just been such a high. Oh, good. So you haven't hit anything hard yet then? You know, only my ego, <laughs> you know. So there he is. That's a new racing movie delivering. So what is it? Oh, it's coming straight to Apple+. Plus. Um, okay, so that's, the, um, that's, what, that's what's happening there in that film. Um, the Oppenheimer film yes because the Barbie movie comes out on the same day as the Oppenheimer film of which there's a lot of excitement about because the Christopher Nolan flick Tenet the last one he did didn't go down terribly well but all the Batman ones everyone obviously loves Killian Murphy is in the Batman ones is the star of Oppenheimer and he plays uh, Oppenheimer which is related to our story this morning um, the father of the atomic bomb Um, So Emily Blunt has been out talking about it. She's in the film. She stars opposite Cillian Murphy, the Irish actor 47, we're told here. The stars as Robert J. Oppenheimer and Christopher Nolan's highly anticipated biographical war drama about the devastating effects of the World War II invention and the effect it had on him and Oppenheimer's wife, the biologist Kitty Oppenheimer, who's played by Emily Blunt. So she's pointing out that um, the, the role took a monumental toll on Killian Murphy so they're shooting the whole thing in the New Mexico desert obviously because the Manhattan Project and all the testing of the weapons were done down in the desert and he's saying we're down there there's no one else around we're all in the same hotel we'd no one to talk to except each other in the cast and we're all going let's go for dinner but uh, Killian Murphy didn't come to dinner didn't want to come and have dinner with us because she says he couldn't. His brain was just too full. You know when you have those big roles, responsibility, it's kind of overwhelming. It kind of sounds, there's a touch of Daniel Day-Lewis going on here, is there? Except he's not staying in the role, of course. He's just going, I I can't go and chat about stuff because I've got this weighty role of a uh, depressed um, father of the atomic bomb. So Oppenheimer is coming out the same day as Barbie. They're calling it the Boppenheimer premiere where you you start out the morning uh, being kind of, slightly tough or something and you watch Oppenheimer and you go yes, moody film moody, you might have a whiskey or smoke a cigarette or something and then you go and save yourself by watching Barbie which is all pink paint and you have Prosecco in between something like that that's what's going on for the Oppenheimer or just watch the film separately you know which is probably the, the best thing to do The Irish Daily Mirror is a lovely picture of um, Elton John staring out at a crowd He's in Sweden, the highlight, the headline there, A Dwight to Remember. Elton John feels the love as he ends his farewell tour. Elton John, he's saying goodbye to the life on the Yellow Brick Road with an emotional last gig ending a 50-year touring career. So this is the last of his big world tours, the last gig of the tour. He finished on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and there's a picture of his family, David Furnish. Um, put on Twitter one final trip down the yellow brick road 330 shows under his belt finally off the road into the sunset excited for the next chapter together we love you daddy and it's a picture of the two kids and this is the whole life he's planned for himself Zachary 12 Elijah is 10 Um, he probably will pop up at events but it's the end of the big tours he will never do an Elton John tour again here he is on stage saying goodbye to his fans I've had the most wonderful career beyond belief Uh, 52 years of pure joy playing music, how lucky am I to play music, but you know, I wouldn't be sitting here and talking to you if it wasn't for you, you bought the singles, the albums, the CDs, the cassettes, but more importantly, you bought the tickets to the shows, and you know how much I love to play live, it's been my lifeblood to play for you guys, and you've been absolutely magnificent. Very good. He always gives good value, doesn't he, when he speaks and does interviews and he does tons of interviews and will continue supporting new artists. So good luck, Elton John. Enjoy putting your feet up. Someone who's never going to do that is Bruce Springsteen. There's great pictures in the where Irish Daily Mail this morning and he's hammering it out in London's Hyde Park in his never-ending world tour and it goes on and on. He's in Italy and Germany in the next couple of weeks and he played another three-hour set last night and the pictures here show his um, starry fans. So Emma Thompson, uh, as the Mail always does, the reminding us that she's 64 as if she can't kind of rock out and she's waving her hands in the air like she just doesn't care screaming roaring along to Bruce Springsteen and just having the crack and it poured rain and he, he sang right through it and had various rain and, um, and go down the river the River album tracks and all that he does. Who else is there? Uh, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom uh, are an item there out uh, at the show as well. And Emma Corrin and Rami Malek who won the Oscar for playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody and Emma Corrin from the, who played Diana in G and The Crown. Getting cosy is the very loaded term they've put there. So Bruce Springsteen continues on as Elton John says goodbye for now. Uh, What else happening? Yes, Wimbledon is in the news because there are champagne problems at Wimbledon. When and when, where and when to pop a champagne is a very Wimbledon problem. Someone got the timing wrong yesterday at the oldest Grand Slam tournament when they popped their champagne in the middle of a serve and uh, in the middle of the strawberries and cream. And so one of the umpires had to say this. Ladies and gentlemen, please, if you are opening a bottle of champagne, don't do it as a player (laughs) to pop to serve. Thank you. Oh, don't you love that? That's from an Australian umpire. John Blom is uh, looking after this match. the most Wimbledon warning I've ever heard. (laughs) Yes, the most Wimbledon warning we've ever heard. A lot of people saying they're finding Wimbledon a bit boring this year because there's just no kind of celebrities or anyone to kind of... Not celebrities, I mean, there's no personalities or characters to get behind. And maybe it's just the world taking the edge off everybody because they're terrified of um, of of going all Mackinro, um, but it's very hard to get excited. But I'm sure you'll correct us. Um, oh God, I have to do another apology. Yes, on the next five, five, five. curry is not in Roscommon. It's, it's like of course, yes, he's deck. Okay, <laughs> dear oh dear, curry. Well, what is curry? Where? How did the? How do we end up with curry as a name? There's obviously a beautiful Irish word that they've substituted for curry. There you go. That'll keep you busy (laughs) while I continue on through my apologies. Um, um, If you have teenagers in your house, the chances are you've heard of Prime Energy Drink, um, which which is now in the news. This is the latest kind of fad uh, and it came out of nowhere because YouTubers like KSI and Logan Paul, the biggest YouTubers in the world, have been promoting this drink, caffeine drink and it turns out it contains 200 milligrams of caffeine per can which is twice the amount in the rival Red Bull. Every drink carries a warning that is not recommended for anyone under the age of 18, anyone who's pregnant and so on and um, so Chuck Schumer the US Senate majority leader has called and regulators to investigate the energy drink this is only going to give it more publicity and drive them towards it Um, because he's saying parents are unknowingly buying heavily caffeinated drinks for their children and the FDA that's the Food and Drugs Administration people over there have to investigate Prime for their absurd caffeine content and the marketing that targets kids and social media which of course is entirely unregulated if only Chuck Schumer somebody would actually go and regulate social media and the giants that are involved in that Ahem. Uh, Now, uh, this is kind of slightly related to Barbie core, I think, because there is a new trend called girl dinner. What is girl dinner? girl dinner and why is there controversy about it well it's gone viral across social media have you heard about this people claiming that the portions of food in the meals are too small but other people saying girl dinner is my thing it started uh, a couple of months ago someone called Olivia Marr who works on various TV shows um, put out a video saying you know my go to dinner is just bread and cheese It might be a little bit of pickles a little bit of meats on the side uh, but that's my ideal meal and um, this is what the medieval peasants used to eat. Just nothing but bread and cheese. I would have gone more backpackers about 20 years ago. It was just bread and cheese is all you could kind of afford. Uh, so people are kind of going, yeah, this is... A, I love bread and cheese. Girl dinner hashtag has gone wild. Some people just having strawberries, bit of bread, salami slice, guacamole. This is These are basically snacks is what they're talking about. These are not dinners. And everyone is saying oh this is very difficult uh, this is not this is very uh, challenging and it's all to do with diet culture and all that stuff all that stuff and then people are going no I'm pro girl dinner why does that be girl dinner and um, it starts as well the New York Times weighed in it says why cook when you can nibble TikTok showing off their supper snack plates made by one person for the contum- consumption and enjoyment of one person so they're kind of going girls need to be on their own girl power is you're only cooking for yourself don't bother cooking just put together a girl dinner <laughs> And I love the... Olivia Mower, okay, so she explains how she came about with the idea of the girl dinner. I think the concept of girl dinner came to me while I was on a hot girl walk with another female friend of mine, she said from her apartment in LA. So she's using a lot of terminology, hot girl walk. What's a hot girl walk when it's at home? Uh, as opposed to the hot girl summer, which is a very loaded thing at all. You know what Andy Warhol said? That in the future, uh, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Well... In the future, every noun will become a trend, basically. That's that's another Warholian thing. Uh, Girl dinners, I mean, get out of that garden. There is a girl dinner thing. I I don't think, no, I don't think we can play the girl dinner song. That'll do your your note altogether. You'll be reaching for the paracetamol too early in the day. Uh, So from girl dinner, we go to hashtag lazy girl job. So Gen Z want to work lazy girl jobs. Uh, what is this all about? So this is related now to quiet quitting, which was a fad around the pandemic where people were going, you know what, oh, working is overrated. Maybe I don't need so much money at all. I want an easy life. So I'm going to leave jobs and do something easy. Maybe work in hostels, travel about for a bit, reduce my hunger for money. So now the easy jobs are the craze. Uh, young women have taken to calling these sorts of jobs as in jobs that are undemanding but well enough paid with little personal passion involved. So we've moved on a little bit from quiet quitting to, you know, I want the money but I don't want to do much for that. Lazy girl jobs. Why Because mostly it's women our users, almost exclusively women, uh, posters online appear to be unanimously women, and so they're calling it lazy girl jobs. Mostly, the term refers to menial office jobs, as opposed to the service industry people on computers, sending a few emails, making taking home a comfortable salary. And the phrase lazy girl job might be relatively new. An anti-work, anti-ambition sentiment has been brewing among Gen, Gen Z for quite some time, and uh, these are post-pandemic twenty-somethings who spent their teens witnessing the rise and fall of the girl boss, and so disillusioned with hustle culture. And the resultant burnout would rather take home a solid monthly wage and enjoy life within the parameters possible under capitalism. And what's interesting here is they're saying this shift has been reflected in pop culture. Consider the films and TV shows that millennials were spoon fed growing up. Sex and the City, Ugly Betty, The Devil Wears Prada, Legally Blonde. These were stories about high-flying, highly stressed but sexy women who dared to have it all. Now the mood is sha- uh, has completely shifted. Because young people are more interested in shows like Euphoria, The Last of Us, Sex Education, in which interpersonal dynamics are prioritised over anything related to careers. So lazy girls, uh, lazy girl jobs are having lazy girl dinners, girl dinners that's 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 the trend don't be don't be looking at me it's not my fault Hi Oliver don't forget Billy Joel or Joelle whichever you want was amazing in Hyde Park in London on Friday night beautiful sunshine I was there with my four sons incredible says Lorraine so it's all about the old rockers these days we've moved on now. well Glassbury was about old rockers as well so let's begin with Bruce Springsteen it makes us feel happy doesn't it at times like this five one five, five one. That is the text number a happy Monday to you all here's the boss I got a bad Design. Oh I'm on fire Tell me now baby is it good to you and can he do to you the things that I do Oh no I can take you high I'm on fire. The boss is wooing his way out there. Uh, It's a good steadier, um, Bruce Springsteen. It kind of mellows you. Mellows you completely. It's your... Breathing and all that, right. Uh, Back to girls' dinner, the text is 51551, that's the text number. It's a girls' dinner as the mammies will make the boys' dinner till the day they die, says Teresa in Cork. Yes, and that reminds me, that is kind of the trend because the girls are going, well, there's generations of women who've had to do all the cooking. Why should we cook? Let's just make dinner for ourselves. That's part of the trend. Don't forget, I was asking what a hot girl walk consists of and TikTok apparently tells us the hot girl walk consists of taking a four-mile outdoor walk uh, while listening to an inspirational podcast or a motivational playlist. But the catch is, while you're walking, your brain is only allowed to think about three specific things what you're grateful for, your goals, and how hot you are. So <laughs> are you not grateful for being hot in the first place but anyway just tell yourself you're hot I think that's the idea hot girl walk Uh, someone's at Manchester Airport on the way home from the Ashes cricket match at Leeds absolutely wrecked four days of lager and continuous curries what a fantastic atmosphere from 9am onwards we'll definitely be going again but needs two weeks in detox says Mike also in Cork I was at the Ashes in Australia years and years and years ago and I know it is the booziest sport of them all because it goes on all day they drink all day at it Uh, although maybe darts could be could see cricket in the eye and go mm, maybe we are the booziest sport of the ball good that in the GA you can't drink out in the stands so thank heavens we don't have that that um, boorish behaviour in, the, in a family in a family match uh, 51551 that is our text number We're back after the break on this amazing story three men and the countdown to the end of World War 2 back after these And you're very welcome back. Some uh, reaction to that. um, Oliver, how come dropping atomic bombs wasn't a war crime? Is it because the Allies won? Asks Tony... Someone else says, just massacre civilians, the firebombing of Tokyo was a war crime, so was dropping the atomic bomb on civilian cities, says Martin in Drumcondra. Well, yes, the the, the victors do decide what's a war crime um, crime or not. But the job of historians, Evan Thomas, is to look at all the studies and to kind of question what would have happened had they not ended the the war in the, the fashion that they did. And he argues that many, many more people on both sides would have been... Would have been massacred, and don't forget, Japan was, uh, as we said, pointed out, all, spread all across the Asian continent, and that war might have gone on and on and on. Uh, so, they're the arguments of the story. And it's, it's worth reading his argument, even if you don't fully um, agree. Oliver, uh, another very good book on an Irish doctor who was in a Japanese prison of war camp, RAF medical officer Aidan McCarthy, who's from Castletown Bear. A Doctor's War is the book. He was heroic in looking after the other mainly Australian prisoners, says Tom. So um, Interesting, um, an interesting tip there for the Irish uh, Pacific in the Pacific Theater of World War Two for the Irish connection there. Uh, people are still texting in about all the what they've been up to, flying home from concerts and so on. Just landed back in Knock after both Billy Joel on Friday and Bruce Springsteen on Saturday. What a rocking weekend for me at sixty-four. Well, now that you're sixty-four, older and wiser, and um, you're at the age of lore as the Beatles might, might reference it. I went to London last week to see The Boss along with 65,000 others in Hyde Park. Just an amazing concert. Hats off to a 73-year-old Bruce who did not disappoint. He's a true legend. Just cannot get enough of Bruce in this country, basically. Obsessed. And there's plenty more that we'll, we'll celebrate along with you. Uh, while you're completely... Oh, so, so, sorry, curry. Yes, back to curry and um, what I meant in Irish. So it's curry, as in C U or or depending on your dialect, a curdig. It could be and it means marsh or a swamp. And uh, bringing you this information from curry in County Longford from Fidelma. So, good morning, Fidelma, the, for the curry. I will now look at it a different way. So, it's not a big curry soup, it's basically a swamp. So, we can look at it. It's much more beautiful than that. Well, it's got wildflowers and all that sort of stuff. But curry, unfortunately, for tourists is going to mean just why is Irish towns named after a sauce, basically. Wimbledon as well and this is about the lack of personalities and characters of Wimbledon Uh, Mira Andriva the 16 year old Russian lady is in the last 16 and the American Christopher Eubanks who was a tennis commentator and is making his Wimbledon debut both are playing today says Teresa in Galway who's um, plumping for the Wimbledon stars this year thank you Teresa for that while you're right completely while you're completely right Highlighting the boring nature of this year's Wimbledon, I could personally do without the kiros boorish shenanigans myself. This is the Australian fellow who's always in in trouble and roaring at people and being pretty, not very nice. Uh, Looking forward to Djokovic losing, but it's probably a forlorn hope, I think it is. Oh, for a new face, Alcaraz would be a breath of fresh air, says John. Yep, a lot of talk of Alcaraz about the place, but it's going to take a while to nurture these new stars. Uh, can you congratulate the Irish under-20s rugby team? Yes, we can. Reaching the final in South Africa yesterday, they are our future. And uh, lots more, but we have to take a quick break back after these. Um, someone wants to please wish a huge congratulations to the Irish medical team of doctors who won the Medical Football World Cup in Vienna on Saturday, uh, beating the British team in the final. The competition ran over the week with 24 teams of doctors from all over the world. They qualified out of a gruelling group, beating Hungary, Brazil, the USA. They went on to beat Hungary again, Spain in the semi-final and Britain in the final. Amazing achievements showcase Ireland all over the world and to represent their country. The Irish Masters team of doctors, over 45, also had an amazing tournament. Uh, 1,100 doctors from around the world, consisting of 48 teams are involved. Competitions run every year. It'll be held in Australia. in 20, 20- And it's coming to Ireland in 2025. This is the... The uh, the medical football World Cup. <laughs> this is brand news. So I wonder is it uh, is it mixed uh, genders? Uh, I'm fascinated by this too. How do they get the time off to do it? Fair play to them, anyway. And someone says they were listening to the show on Friday. Our guest Austin Austin Kenny is the archivist who had the tape. Uh, of uh, that was recorded in the seventies, back when there were no WhatsApp voice notes and so on. It was expensive to ring. Uh, this person lived in Brisbane for a year, late eighty seven, eighty eight. Received letters from family and friends at home. We rush home to work uh, from work to check the post. Moving house recently, came across the letters while packing up. There's a few cassettes and photos in there. What a joy to reread them. So lots of lovely memories coming into Austin Kenny and the archivists and the, and the tapes from home. We might bring more of them as they come in. But that's it for today. Claire Byrne is next. We'll chat again tomorrow. Slongafol.